Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Chris Geis. So, you want to ride a motorcycle better, faster, safer, with more skill and confidence? Or do you want to ride a motorcycle for the first time? Or ride again after taking a break from riding? Well, the purpose of my podcast is to help grow the sport of motorcycling by helping riders of all levels, whether they are new to motorcycling or not, increase their knowledge and skills so that they are better, smarter, safer riders and are getting everything they want out of motorcycling, whether it's on the street, on the track, or maybe even as a fan or a participant in some form of motorcycle racing. My game is to help all motorcyclists up their game. This is episode 54 titled N2 on Motorcycling, Track Days, and Endurance Racing. In this episode, I have a great discussion with Rob Ciccolo and Chip Spaulding from N2 Track Days. We talk about how and why N2 Track Days and N2 Racing got started, their mission, and their overall program to help expand the sport of motorcycling through rider training, track days, endurance road racing, Motor America racing, rider safety via their extensive support of the Road Racing World Magazine Action Fund to install safety air fence at racetracks across the country, and even more. This episode was recorded as a live video shown using Facebook Live, so if you prefer, you can check out the video on my Facebook page so you want to ride a motorcycle. The link to the video is in the podcast notes. Stay tuned as I will be doing as many of these podcast recordings as possible using Facebook Live, usually on Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and I will, of course, continue to make the audio portion available via this podcast. You can email questions from my guests and I prior to the live show using so you want to ride at yahoo.com, or even better yet, tune in while we were recording and post your questions online. We will do the best we can to answer all questions while we record. Further instructions will be posted before each live show on my Facebook page. This episode was recorded on Wednesday, July 22nd, 2020, and is being published on Tuesday, August 4th, 2020. I hope you enjoy it. Before we get into this episode, I would like to thank my newest podcast supporters. So a huge thank you goes to Moto America Twins Cup racer and N2 track day coach Robbie Ciccolo Jr., who has been a guest on the podcast and is now joined as the first member of the V4 Club. Richard Warfield Jr., host of the Loud Pipes podcast, who has moved up from the V-Twin Club to the Inline 4 Club. And also Andrew Goodman, author of the book Shiny Side Up, From First Ride to Fast Rider, who joins Rich as a member of the Inline 4 Club. I also want to mention my affiliate partners, Heroic Racing Apparel, which provides awesome street and track riding gear, Motul for their Slacker Digital Suspension Tuner, and my newest affiliate, BreakFree, which brings you the BreakFree Smart Brake Light. You can check out the affiliates page on my website to learn more about these companies and the products and services they provide, as well as any discounts they offer when you make a purchase through this podcast. And finally, remember that I love getting feedback from listeners. So when you're done listening, please message me on Facebook or Instagram or email me at soyouwantoride at yahoo.com and let me know what you thought of this episode. Anything you want to share with me will be a tremendous help and is greatly appreciated. So, you want to ride a motorcycle? Well, you've come to the right place because this is the So You Want to Ride a Motorcycle podcast. Hello 
everyone. Anyone who has tuned in or who's, who's going to tune in soon or listen later, my name is Chris Geis. I'm host of the So You Want to Ride a Motorcycle. This is episode 54, and tonight I am chatting with Rob Ciccolo, one of the six partners and the CEO of N2 Track Days, and also Chip Spaulding, who does business development for N2 Track Days, Yamaha Champions Riding School, and uh, a bunch of other businesses, which maybe we'll get into Chip as, as time allows. So welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. Awesome to have you guys. So um, I guess maybe let's start talking about, uh, about N2. So I know, Rob, before we started recording, you would tell me a little bit about it, but maybe if you want to just kind of share again, just, you know, how, how and why N2, you know, came, came into being. Sure. Absolutely. You know, uh, good evening, everyone. And, you know, it, it's kind of funny. I mean, N2 was a happy accident. Uh, we, uh, many of us, uh, you know, a bunch of good friends, I could, rattle off a whole list of names, maybe a little towards the end, but uh, you know who you are. Uh, we used to be uh, coaches for a group called uh, the Northeast uh, Sport Bike Association, or known as NESBA. And, uh, you know, I started riding with them probably about 2003. I think I started coaching around 2005-ish or so, and uh, made some really good friends. I mean, this was this is what we did on the weekends. Everyone's having fun. Um, it was, track days were a little bit different back then. It was a little more sink or, sink or swim. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like, yeah, 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 go faster. Yeah, move your butt to the left. Uh, see you in the next lap. Uh, it wasn't quite, uh, you know, the, the way riders have embraced education now. So to me, very different. And so, you know, years go by. You know, many of us uh, have been racing at the club level and, uh few at the national level. And in 2014, we came to find out, a big surprise to us was that Nesba was really imploding. And uh, it was done. And it was really uh, probably around late February, early March. And we're looking at each other going, okay, where are we going to ride? So we're clicking around, clicking around, and all right, we'll ride with this group, we'll ride with that group. And uh, one of the younger guys uh, says, hey, let's start our own track day org. And uh, the old guy said, no, that's dumb. Why would you want to do that? And uh, we went back and forth a few weeks, and uh, we kind of all looked at each other and said, you know what, let's do this. But if we're going to do it, let's, you know, we were good friends with Nick Ionosh, and you know, we believe in like, you know, the way YCRS teaches, you know, there, there's a lot of good schools out there. You know, we believe that Nick is, uh, he is the master, of, I think, of being able to take really complex subject matter and boil it down into really simple terms. So we wanted to start an org that brought that style of teaching down to the everyday track day. Because, I mean, quite frankly, I mean, I know the first time I rolled a wheel out on a track, I'm sure for you, Chris, it, it's kind of terrifying. You know, it's, sure. I, I call it like going to the gym syndrome, you know, your, your, your uh, mental images, oh, everyone's in shape and I'm going to be the fat old weak guy, blah, blah, blah. And it's really not like that. And so, you know, creating an environment where people can learn a little more nurturing, uh, all that stuff and having a place where racers can come and practice the, the whole thing, uh, being able to support, you know, younger riders uh, who wanted to get into racing, bringing endurance racing back to America you know, doing things like that and really focusing on what can we do for the industry uh, on any given day, we're either the number one, number two donor on the Rotor Racing World Action Fund. So everything we do is designed to give back. We're a bunch of old guys. We make our money in life doing other things. This is, this is just something uh, that's fun for us to do. And so, you know, back to how it all started when we finally agreed, hey, let's do this. 
And if we're going to do it, we're doing it the way I, you know, the, the things I just described, those were important to us. Uh, I also own software companies. So we got together and literally between working with the previous owner of Nesba, wrestling contracts uh, with the racetracks all up and down the East Coast, uh, I had my software guys help us. And literally within two weeks flat, we were able to resurrect the Nesba registration system. We carried over all the members. Uh, we had a new website up, the forums, the whole deal. So literally within a two-week window, we went from where are we going to ride to into being born, uh, which is somewhere around March 7th, uh, 2014. So here we are uh, six years later. Uh, we're having fun doing what we're doing. Uh, we do a, a lot of work with uh, the Yamaha Champions Riding School. Uh, uh, you know, we're racing at Motor America. We're supporting Xavier, Blake Davis, uh, Rob Jr. is out there. We also uh, just recently announced we're bringing on Nate Minster. Uh, so uh, we'll be down at Road Atlanta uh, debuting with Nate. He's going to be joining Xavier in the uh, Supersport class. Oh, nice. So between racing, endurance, um, you know, we just wrapped up an endurance race at Roebling, you know, last week. Um, we're having a, a pretty good time doing what we're doing. And, uh, you know, everyone's smiling. You know, between the six owners, we have seven directors who actually run our events. Uh, we have a great staff behind the scenes from technical to support people and probably about 90 coaches. And this is an entire volunteer organization. And everybody does this because they love doing it. So we're just trying to make it a happy place and keep this thing going. That's awesome. Cool, cool, cool. So uh, listen, for anyone who's watching, we got like 16, it's kind of airing 16 people watching right now. If you've got questions for either uh, Rob or Chip, go just go to the So You Want to Ride a Motorcycle Facebook page. You'll see the posting there for the live video feed. Presumably where you're watching, you can just uh, add a comment and I will try to keep, it, keep an eye on those and we'll, we'll answer <laughs> questions as, as they come up. So uh, where, um, where does the name N2 come from? You know, it's... Uh... I'm not sure. Um, cool. That's there, a, one of our I love, partners, I love that answer. <laughs> it's kind of nebulous. Uh, so one of our partners, uh, Will, uh, he was friends. Uh, and if you're listening, I have to give Ann credit. Uh, it was Ann Roberts, uh, racer, also raced in Motor America. She's done stuff with minis. Um, uh, it was really kind of her idea of, you know, like a Nesba 2.0 and, we just kind of, you know, how you use a Nuco as a uh, company name while you're building it. So we used N2 as our, you know, our Nuco label and it, it just kind of stuck. And uh, so here it is. Here we are. It's kind of interesting how it sometimes seems that the best names, the catchiest names, just, you know, they just kind of come out of the, the ether. You know, it, it's interesting. You know, I had interviewed uh, Keith Code and we were talking about Twist of the Wrist. And, you know, I asked him, so, you know, where how'd you come up with that title? It's an awesome title. You know, it must have taken you months, you know, to think of this thing. And the, the story basically goes, he said, well, no, I was trying to sell an article to a magazine and the editor wanted to know, you know, why did I write this thing? I said, well, because I'm writing a book. Uh, he's like, oh, really? What's the title of the book? He's like, uh, it's a twist of the wrist, you know, just off the top of his head kind of thing. So it's just mm -hmm. kind of interesting how those things just kind of flow. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, so Moto America, so, so now you're going to have three riders, it sounds like. So your, your son, Robbie, who's been on the podcast before, which has been really mm -hmm. cool, yep. right? Twins Cup and then two, two riders in Supersport? Yes, and that'll okay. be uh, Xavier, Xavier. Okay. and Nate Minster. And then also under our canopy, um, though, you know, somewhat independent, but, you know, we support them as well, uh, is uh, Blake Davis, 
who is now old enough to ride at uh, Moto America. So uh, we expect big things from him. Uh, he's a very fine young man, uh, <laughs> very quick, very, very quick kid. Mm-hmm. And we have uh, Trevor Standish, who also rides under the canopy. Uh, again, great family. You know, the, uh, the people that are all under the, the, the shared canopy, if you will, um, all great families. Everyone's all there to help one another. There's no drama. Uh, everyone's smiling and, and really having a good time. Mm-hmm. No, no one can help each other enough. It's, uh, it, it's nice to see. Yeah, that's cool. Has uh, has N two racing? Let's see. So so N two racing or N two started two thousand sixteen, mm-hmm. right? Which is that's what second year. Oh, 14. So, oh, 14. Okay, right. Motor America started what fifteen two thousand fifteen was kind of half I mean, half a season. Yeah, I would say we we sort of supported a few riders, uh, even Ann Roberts at one point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and again, it was just casual. It was kind of. We love racing. It was just friends helping friends. Uh, there was really nothing that formal about it. We started getting a little more formal last year. And then this year is the first full year where, um, you know, it, it's a full rig, uh, you know, 40 foot canopy, everything from, you know, matching toolboxes and gear and bodywork and all the things that normal teams do. Uh, the budget's gone up, you know, uh, quite a bit. Uh, but we can thank uh, Mr. Chris Smith for most of that. Uh, I'm really, uh, I, I just call myself a guy who helps, you know. And uh, But between the two of us, uh, we fund all of the N2 racing efforts. Okay, gotcha. Cool, cool, cool. Um, so just, just out of curiosity, if, if it's something you're willing to share, what, what is the budget like? Like what, what, what do you expect to spend this year to run the three riders you've got in Moto America? Um, I'd say easily. Yeah, you know, and and part of it is you know in year one, I mean, you're buying bikes and you're rebuilding motors, and how often are are, are your riders crashing? I mean, stuff happens out there, you yeah. know, even in the best of circumstances. But I'd say minimum budget two hundred thousand dollars for the year, and northward of that. So okay. between two hundred two hundred fifty thousand. Um, again, this is also uh, being part of the premier paddock. Uh, so, you know, your footprint, your presence, you know, all of that, um, uh, it's a little bit, you know, Motor America asks a little bit more of you and, um, you know, it's, it's worked out pretty well for us, but what we get in return, it's, uh, it's, it's just a boatload of fun. I never imagined myself doing this like you doing this program. Mm -hmm. If you asked me that we would be doing all of this in 2013, uh, I, I wouldn't have believed it. You know, I put motorcycles down for a long time. And if someone took a snapshot of my future and said, oh, here's all the things you guys would be doing, uh, I'd be like, yeah, you you got the wrong guy. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny how that kind of happens. I sometimes just get sucked in and that's good. You know, if it's a a good fit, it just kind of, I guess, naturally develops and Mm-hmm. There you go. So uh, how, how long have you and Chip known each other, you know, been working together? Uh, probably about two years now, Chip. Am I, yep. am I giving the right answer there? <laughs> uh, well, I think we, we, we met for the first time in uh, 2016 at uh, a right. YCR champ school. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, been working together with um, Into Stuff for a little over a year, um, doing that sort of thing. Um. You know, I help out with um, the behind the scenes stuff, you know, um, marketing and uh, social and sponsorship and press releases and all that good stuff. I've been, uh, it's funny, I'm listening to you talk about budget and 
you know, I've been involved in pro racing since 2001 ish, 2002 ish. And, and the answer is all of it plus about 20% is, is how much the budget is right. <laughs> uh, to go, to go pro racing. Um, yeah. So whatever, whatever your budget is, at 20 plus 20 percent because you get suckered into the well you know what if we just had this one little thing or we just ran this one round or you know the the wheels fall off the trailer or all the other things that happen Uh right 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 right. what's one more thing right exactly in pro racing which becomes the most important thing in the whole world well it's like you know well my arm fell off but you look, we'll just sew it back on because, you know, we've got to make the next round because it's the most important right. thing in the whole right, world. Right, right, yes. right. <clears throat> Ask Marquez, right? I was just going to say kind of like what Marquez is going through right now. <laughs> and, it's, and it's kind of funny how quickly that story is changing because uh, it was sometime yesterday I'd seen the team was saying, well, you know, whatever. He's uh, had the surgery. Everything went well. No nerve damage, it sounds like. But we're, we're not going to try to predict when he's back. Like he needs time to heal. It takes what it takes. And then, I don't know, today I heard something about he may, I don't know, he may be on the bike in a couple of weeks. So I guess yeah. remains to be seen. Yeah, they said something about him potentially just riding on Sunday. Okay. Like do a banker lap on Saturday and then ride on yeah. Sunday, which is madness. I was, um, I was talking with a friend of mine this afternoon who's a, a professional trainer, and we were casually talking about it. And he knows nothing about motorcycle stuff, but knows that I do. And we were having a conversation about it, and I mentioned that he – that Marquez broke his humerus and, you know, got it plated in surgery. He had broken on Sunday, surgery on Tuesday. And there's this chance that he could, he could ride on Sunday. And he just looked at me like I had four heads, you know, it's like, what are, what are you talking about? Why would you do that? That's, that's, that's six to eight weeks minimum recovery time. And I go, not for a motorcycle racer. <laughs> <laughs> as long as it's structurally sound, why not? Work through the pain, right? Yeah, yeah. I I think it was uh, Brian Van from Sport Bike Track Gear had posted something about they were looking at how they could put the throttle on the left side of the handlebar. <laughs> so. yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, I still think uh, you know, say what you will about Lorenzo, but uh, you know, whatever it was a few years ago that he fell down at Assen, went home, had surgery, uh, flew home, had surgery, and then uh, fell down on Friday, flew home on surgery, skipped Saturday, raced on Sunday uh, with a you know plated collarbone. It's pretty much as gnarly as it gets mm-hmm. and then fell down again the next week at, at Saxon ring and, and broke it again. Right. Oh, I'm tracked yeah. by the way. What's that? Saxon ring? Yeah. Have you, have you been, on, been on it? Yeah. We, uh, me and a few of the N2 boys, um, we, uh, there's a, actually one of the guys who really helped jumpstart N2, I'll give him a shout out here. His name is Jimmy winters and a uh, long Island guy. Uh, probably not. Oh, nice. Okay. You. Long Island. <laughs> So there, there's, uh, uh, I don't know if you heard of Winters Brothers. Uh, they do a lot of sanitation along Long Island. Uh, not mm-hmm. to give okay. a plug, but uh, yeah, so he uh, probably takes care of your, your trash and other uh, big commercial stuff. <laughs> but uh, in any event, so we all got together with Jimmy. Uh, it was me, Jimmy, Scott Russell, a couple of other guys, Damien. And uh, we got together with Cat McLeod. I don't know if you've ever spoken to him yet. He's uh, actually, he was on the show, I don't know, three or four episodes ago, something like that. So cool and dude. Yeah. Cat is a great dude. And his, okay. he and his staff are great. And, you know, if, if you want to go on a tour again, I'm, I'm a, you know, trying to be Mr. Uh, plug here. Uh, no, that, that's fine. I've been, I've been <laughs> plugging him. Go for it. Hey. <laughs> no, but it, if, if you just want to go on a tour, go on a tour somewhere, if you want to go and live and experience and where you eat, where you stop 
and hanging out with the locals and eating in provincial restaurants and, and then peppering that in with like, we did the Alps tour. So we were ripping all through the Alps. Uh, probably one of my favorite days. It was just uh, me, Scott Russell and Kat. And the three of us just went ripping and the tour guides took the other folks around nice. and we just had such a great time. And one of our stops was at socks and rain. And uh, so he does the whole combo as I'm sure you're aware mm-hmm. where you do six, seven days, nine days, you know, of, you know, back country road riding sightseeing through the mountains uh, ending with a few days on a racetrack. And I got to tell you uh, so, some great memories. It was uh it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Can't wait to do it again. That is cool. That was cool. Now, Saxon Ring is Austria? Which, which uh, country? Germany. Germany, it, okay. It, it's in the uh, upper northeast okay. uh, section of Germany. Mm-hmm. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. What I still refer to as East Germany. Yeah, yeah. Well, I call <laughs> it Northeast. There's no wall there. But, yeah. <laughs> There's no yeah. wall anywhere. But. No, but yeah, his tours sound awesome. Yeah, I told him it's on it's on my uh, my bucket list. And uh, you know, it's funny because actually one of the things we talked about is is because of the nature of his, of his tours and the fact that it's yeah it's touring through the mountains or whatever happens to be and time on the track. You need to be a decent enough track rider. So we mm-hmm. actually talked a little bit about like what's the prep. You know, what what does someone that's looking to do one of his tours need to do? You know, to get themselves ready track yeah, wise. So, so, so I'm, I'm working on it. Yeah, and it's not all about the motorcycle either. I mean, what you eat for breakfast and the dinners and the nightlife and um, and, uh, and what you don't drink the night before <laughs> <laughs> or try not to. Yeah, but and uh, now he, he's got some great staff. And whether it's where you want to go at night, where you want to ride during the day, he's got everything covered. It, it was just top shelf. So when you do it, I'll go with you. Okay, awesome. Sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah, Magella. I have to get the. That sounds good too. Yeah, actually, it's I feel bad for him. I mean, uh, he's basically shut down now, like, you know, with everything going on, right, with with COVID and the Europeans are basically like, you know, Americans stay away. (laughs) So I don't know. I think he's been doing some stuff in California. I'm I'm guessing he'll figure something out until he can actually start running tours over there again. Well, the good news, if there is any with this whole thing, is that uh, this has been fantastic for the motorcycle industry. Yeah, it, it is kind of interesting. I, I think people who were not going to buy or they're on the fence, it's like, you know, life is short and let's live it kind of thing. Well, know? and Chris, what, what's happened a lot over, especially the last decade or so, 15 years, um, is the manufacturers have been competing against each other, right? So they, mm-hmm. they want to have the latest and greatest doodad on the bike and the price is steadily ratcheted up and the bikes have become incredibly good, but also they have a lot of stuff on them that the average punter on the street doesn't care about or anything right. like that, but you want to make it better than the Kawasaki has got to make it better than Yamaha and Yamaha has got to make it better than BMW, whatever. And the price has gone up and in all this competition, which we, with each other, which has made fantastic product. Uh, I believe that the OEMs have lost sight that their real competition is, pleasure money for people mm-hmm. and when you exceed a certain dollar figure whether it's per month or per year or whatever that uh people look at it and go well you know what i'll, I'll go buy a boat you know i'm gonna go take my kids to europe i'm gonna go uh you know buy an rv whatever whatever that pleasure money is and what's happened with this covid thing is a lot of that those other options 
have disappeared. Can't take the kids to Europe. Can't take the kids to Disney. Um, You know, that summer vacation got canceled. Um, You know, whatever it is that you were spending money on became more difficult to do. And so pleasure stuff that involved motorcycles and RVs and boats are all of a sudden like, you know, they can't keep it in stock. Um, you know, the motorcycle industry saw a fantastic spring, uh, a fantastic June. And uh, the only issue they're having at this point is inventory mm-hmm. keeping up. Yeah. And, uh, and then of course they have supply, supply, supply chain issues, you know, coming out of China and Taiwan and Japan sure. and, and stuff like that. That's keeping them from filling that inventory stuff. But it, it's been a very weird phenomenon that motorcycle industry basically being fat flat for the last de- decade, uh, that this, you know, pandemic disaster for the moment, for the short term, it's been fantastic. And uh, what I'm hoping is that, you know, a lot of these, a lot of these people that bought on a whim, you know, sat around the house for, for months ago, and you know, you know what? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go buy a motorcycle. Let's right. tire of sitting around these four walls. <laughs> go buy a motorcycle. Yeah. What you hope is that how uh, many become dealers? Yeah, a portion of them sure. stick. A portion right. of them, you know, stay forever, and then they, they, uh, they, they were tool around on the street, and then they come to they come to us. They come. They go. Hey, look, I, you know, I want to ride in a in a in a safe, controlled environment. I'm gonna start doing track days with them too. I'm, I want to get better. I'm gonna do a school with with Yamaha champions riding school. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm getting pretty good at this. I want to go race and I'm going to go endurance racing with, with into and, and, and we're with my buddies and, and, uh, Hey, I'm really good at this. I'm going to go pro racing at Moto America. That's, that's right. you got to yeah. start somewhere. And so maybe yeah. this, maybe this, the, this, there's a silver lining to this whole COVID disaster. Yeah. No, it seems like it. And it's interesting too, that, that you mentioned that about, you know, who is going to stick because, one of the things I realized with this podcast, right, the, the reason I started it is I started riding four years ago. You know, I was getting in, listening to podcasts and getting involved, co-hosting podcasts. Everyone was talking about the doom and gloom in the motorcycle industry and what's happening and it's, it's shrinking and is it going to go away? And you know, I was like, oh, hell no. I, you know, I just found this thing. There's no way I'm letting it disappear. So let me do what I can do to just help whatever, get people interested, get information out there, maybe give a perspective that, that's not there yet. Um, And so the point being, one of the things I realized is the importance of helping people stick because I think that's quite a bit of it is you get people who are interested, you know, they they try out a bike and then they're on a bike that's not the right size for them. It's not set up properly. Whatever it happens to be, they have a bad experience, they fall off and then it's like, no, you know what? This thing is exactly, people told me it was dangerous. I shouldn't have done this in the first place. And so what I'm trying to do is get people information, get people exposed. You know, like I had Dave Moss on, right? It's like, how do you properly set up a bike so the ergonomics are right for you? You know, I'm getting interested in track days and trying to encourage people to do that. I've had Fast Eddie from Moto Jitsu. It's like, you know, go out in the parking lot and practice slow speed maneuvers, right? All these different things as a way of either, you know, getting people to stay in because they're enjoying it and, and getting something out of it or helping people who left come back, you know, and, and help overcome whatever obstacles they ran into. And so little, you know, little by little, it's, it's kind of working. And and that's kind of what we're missing as an industry is uh, mentorship. Somebody gave you the gift of motorcycling. You know, very few people find it on their own and get started on their own. Somebody gave them this gift. They introduced them to it. They showed them, Hey, look, I've got one man. You You ought to come ride with me. Let's get you a bike. Let's teach you how to ride. Let's get you some gear. Let's get you pointed in the right direction. And um, 
you know, I, I think the danger is that uh, the internet has now replaced what used to be person uh, personal mentorship. And there's a lot of, you're not going to believe this, Chris, but there's a lot of bad information on the internet. Have you heard that before? Oh, really? No. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's funny because you guys may know um, John Casebeer from Motul, right? He's got that Slacker digital tuner. I had him on recently and, and he made the comment. He talked about how, how valuable the internet was in helping him build his company and researching and you know, figuring out technology. But he said, you know, the internet is simultaneously the best and worst thing that's happened to mankind. <laughs> so to, to, to your point, yeah, there's a lot of junk out of there, out there. And I try to, you know, warn people about it. It's like anything, you know, you gotta, you know, use this a little bit when, when you're looking at something, reading something, does it make sense? Is this, you know, does this person know what they're talking about? Yeah, a lot of times when we're training people, I mean, some of it, some of training is in in some in some instances untraining uh, things that people have done, you know, for 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 such a long time. Well, I've been doing it way for forty years. I've been running for forty years. Like, well, yeah. Imagine if you know you you know were, were trained or as Chip said, mentored by somebody uh, the right way. And uh, you know, even go back to you know whether you're you know, on a track days or a school. I mean, the way we organize our days, for example. You know, we have, you know, different groups. And, and if you're a new rider and you want to come to a track day, we have coaches that we're going to, you know, dedicate to you. And you will be sitting in a classroom and we will help you roll out, you know, and do your first laps onto the racetrack and things of that sort. Uh, very nurturing, provide a lot of feedback. And, and track day culture, just the motorcycle culture, it's amazing uh, how many people help each other. You know, speaking to Ray Rizzo at Moto America, uh, he feels that, you know, I don't want to misphrase, uh, uh, misquote him, but he feels that the motorcycle industry is sort of like a, a model mini society of how the rest of the world should be. You know, he, he'll talk about where, you know, uh, people aren't, you know, all wrapped around the axle about the flag. You know, people, whether they're religious or not, regardless of the color of their skin, everybody just wants to ride, have fun. Um, have a good time. And, and, you know, again, his words, just feeling that it's such a good representation of this subset of society that he wishes the rest of society, you know, would be like, and, uh, you know, so pretty interesting to hear, uh, you know, words like that come from, uh, from a uh, man of the cloth. But, uh, but I, I happen to believe him. I, I, I think he's on something there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that, that's cool. That's cool. So uh, I'll just take this this moment. Rob, I've got a question for you from David, who wants to hey, David. know. You know David Err, by any chance? Oh, I know David Err, yeah. All right. So, <laughs> all right, so th- this might be one of those, like, insider shill questions. But that's, uh, but, that, but, but that's fine. So he wants to know, how long does it take to get fast enough to enter into a race? <laughs> well, it all depends on whether you're David Err or not. Okay. Uh, so I'll tell you a story about David. Um, met him probably it was back in the Nesba days. Uh, he and his uh, wife at the time came out to, to ride with us. Daver was, uh, he, maybe he can type and correct me if I'm wrong, but he's, I guess was racing cars back in the day and he was pretty quick and he turned his talents to a motorcycle and he was in our intermediate group and he was clicking off 24s at New Jersey on Thunderbolt. And he became, he started racing, uh, got into a bit of trouble. Sorry, Dave. You know, he had a couple of spills out there. And when I would speak with Dave, he got, I would say, too quick or too fast, too quickly. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're traveling, you know, at when you when you get to certain speeds around the racetrack, everything you do becomes exponentially more important. Because Nick <laughs> likes to say, "What matters when you're going slow? Not much. Nothing. But as you go faster, lean angle, how you go to the brakes, when you go to the brakes, smoothness on that throttle." Um, you know, Scott Russell will say, you know, slow hands, the faster you go, slower, your hands need to move. And those are things that you have to learn over time. But what does it take to go racing? You know, the average Joe, if you're not David or um, many of our riders, you know, even if they come and start out uh, in the novice group, work their way up to intermediate, I'd say most of our early to mid pack I riders are perfectly comfortable and capable going out to a CCS or a WIRA race. Um, uh, we also have a race school, by the way, so we can help riders get their race license. Uh, we do a mock race. We integrate it into the track day. So this way, again, just one more step of helping people get over that fear of, oh, my God, what's this going to be like? And help them transition. You know, orientation is everything, and that's what a lot of this is about. And we help them find their way onto the racetrack. And uh, many of the... Uh, riders, again, I group or better, they go out, they enjoy their first race. Uh, they find that they actually didn't do too bad. You know, maybe they were mid-pack. Uh, you know, they weren't the caboose coming in as everyone fears. You know, so it's really not difficult. You know, we can help uh, show you, you know, every step of the way, flags, start procedures, the grid, you know, what do you do when stuff goes sideways and things of that sort. Uh you know, watching uh, the flags from the corner worker stations and just good old racecraft as well, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, I like to say all of this, track days, racing, regardless of where you are, I say it's the best time you'll ever have with your clothes on. <laughs> and that's all there is. That's a good way to put it. I just want to take a little break here to let you know that this episode is brought to you in part by the following supporters of my podcast. Thumper Club member John Gardner, also known as G4, Parallel Twin Club members Shane Patilla and Jerry Vavaro. V-Twin Club members Richard Warfield Jr. of R-Dub Studios LLC and Harley Nemzer from the On the Road Again Motorcycle School. Triple Club member Aaron at the Motorcycle Rider and V-4 Club member John Delvecchio from the Street Skills LLC Motorcycle Riding School and author of the book Corner and Confidence. Gentlemen, thank you very much for your support. It is greatly needed and very much appreciated. If you would like to join these supporters to help grow my podcast and other motorcycle-related content and thus contribute to the growth of the sport of motorcycling, please stay tuned to the end of this episode or check out the podcast supporters link on my website. And now back to the show. I'm going to date myself, but when I started racing, uh, there really wasn't track days. I mean, there were some, but for the most part, you rode on the street, you went, uh, you went uh, and took the, uh, the rider school on uh on saturday at weir uh and you could run a solo 20 that afternoon mm-hmm. you sprint racing on sunday and right. um uh, uh so I, i'm i'm of the belief that you know if you could ride then you're you know go out and try racing uh you know track days has made it so you can you can really get used to being at the racetrack and and get into that rhythm and and you know pit ins and pit outs and flags right. and yep. and you know your 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 pit set up and that sort of thing before you go racing but I, I encourage everybody I know who who rides on the street or rides on the track to at least go racing once. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's all, 
it, it is eye-opening and it, it's a completely different mentality from from riding on the street and or doing track days and uh, you know where everybody goes and when they go from riding on the street to riding on the track you know it, it's a quick it's a quick jump they go ride on the track a couple of times and they go ah you know I don't want to ride my sport bike on the street or, uh, you know, I'm going to ride on the street completely different. Mm-hmm. I, I want to ride fast on the track. I don't really want to ride fast on the street anymore. Now that this has kind of opened my eyes and the same thing happens with racing. First time you go racing, you go, Oh, well, you know, track days is great for practicing for this racing thing. <laughs> 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 and they're also, yeah. they used to almost be a rival between the two. Now, maybe not a, a rival is a harsh word, but, Again, Chris, um, you know, so you started riding. If you wanted to go racing, you went out there in, in an orange or green shirt, and you were literally just, all right, here you go, kid. Have fun. Good luck. And, and, and that's what it took to go racing, whereas track days are a stepping stone. Yeah. And again, go back to that word, orientation is everything, mm-hmm. where people can actually get, get pretty quick uh, you know, doing track days, especially with the right instruction. Uh, even to the point where some of the racers would be like, well, well hey, wait a minute. This this novice just gridded up right. and where does, where he's does that with come the experts from? and beating everybody. They're sandbagging. And, you know, it's, well, you can't have it both ways. You know, if you want to start somebody in novice, because that's how you do it, meaning novice racer. Yeah. Right. But they have, you know, 100 track days under their belt. That's how it is. It, it, you know what? You have, you have the fringe. You have the outliers. And, yeah. you know, but, uh, you know, but all in all, you'll find – the racer and track day community is much more joined at the hip uh, yes. where it was a little more a wall between the two. Oh, you're a track well, day guy. I'm a racer. That, that has been broken it, down. It is so much more inclusive yep. these days. Better you work. know, uh, it, it used to be like you were saying, there's, Oh, there's a track day guy. You know, he's not a racer. Mm-hmm. He's a racer. He's not a track day guy. You know, that right. kind of stuff. But it's so much more inclusive these days. It, it, it's so much more easier to, uh, go to an organization like into or, or some of the other track uh, organizations that that are that do a good job with rider education and groups and progress at a natural pace and then go racing um, the track day groups have gotten so good though that I, I think that there's a it's so enjoyable to go to track days that a lot of people just don't make that step to go racing they're happy doing what they're doing mm-hmm. right yeah. but I still think it's important I, I, I think Ultimately, that you know, racing is still the that's where that's where why you got on the thing in the first place to me. Right. So no, I'm that makes sense. no, it, it's that's interesting because I had interviewed Chris Bays, you know, Twins Cup racer, and I think he he did a handful of track days before he started racing. You know, he's like, wow, that was really awesome. You know, he said he got on the forums, he found tons of people willing to help him get started, tell him where to go, what he needed. So yeah, it's really cool, like how quickly that progression can go. And and it's interesting, Rob. You know, you mentioned about going fast too quickly, kind of thing, um, right? So this past Saturday, I did my third track day. It was really cool. I was up at New York Safety Track. You know, did did the novice class, and it was like the fourth slot. And, and the, the the reason doesn't particularly matter why, but I actually accidentally or mistakenly ended up in the intermediate group. Right? <laughs> now, but but here's here's what's funny about the story. So. I am going to pick on that, by the way. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, it shouldn't have happened. I could tell you like why it happened, but I'm not going to pick on that. Sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so, so I'm out in the intermediate group and everything was fine. Other than the fact that a lot of people were passing me more, more than usual. And I'm like, okay, this is kind of odd. But, but so what's funny about this is evidently during that 
that session. So I missed the novice session for that hour. And evidently during that, that novice outing session, it was a bit of a shit show. Mm -hmm. So when it came around to the next novice session, I'm lined up in the grid and, and one of the instructors takes the megaphone and he gets up in front of everybody and he goes, all right, attention guys. This is absolutely the worst novice class we have ever had at this track. And he just went on about like, uh, I mean, you know, and I had seen a little bit prior, right? But I, I guess there was just a lot of really bad passing and people doing stupid things. I mean, I, I had seen, and that this was novice like a session earlier, you know, I had seen someone who was a little bit slower getting past by a bike on the left, bike on the right, you know, at the same time. I, both, I, yeah. I, I, saw, I saw a guy pass, you know, I, I swear he had that much room between the, uh, the bike he was passing and the edge of the track. And it, there's no gravel runoff, it's, gra it's grass or whatever. It's just not, not smart. At any rate, so it was good that he was like, hey, guys, wake up. This is not cool. And he said, you know, if we see anybody doing anything that's not acceptable, you're out. Like, that's it. No more. There's no discussion, no nothing. But <laughs> it was just kind of interesting. But I think that's what it was. There was too much testosterone. I think there was too many guys who came, you know, they've done street riding and it's like, oh, good, I'm going to try the track. And they're just like, you know what, to the wall, probably not having done like I had done the rookie day and the rider academy where you got some orientation and some pointers on good right. technique and whatever, you know. So, so for sure, you know, it, it, can, it can go wrong. Oh, and, and we know that all too well, and it can happen at any track day of work, yeah. uh, ours included. It's one of the reasons we tend to be uh, one of the more strict groups out there. Uh, we do get some criticism from people saying, Hey, you guys are, you know, a little too strict, too much. you know, a little too tough on your bumps. And we're like, well, you know what? We want everybody to go home in one piece, yeah. you know, and, you know, and, and it, it's not a popularity contest. Um, it's not how long you've been riding. We're looking at specific things. We're looking at how you're navigating the bike around the racetrack. We're looking at how you use your body. Uh, we're looking at how you go to the brakes, how aggressive you are or not aggressive, how polite you are. There's a lot of things that go into, uh, you know, when we feel you're ready to go from novice to intermediate, or especially from intermediate to advanced. To go to advanced in our uh, org, you need a current expert license or better, or you get there uh, by getting bumped by, by an N2 coach. And so, like, some of the things we look for. When you say expert license, you mean, like, expert racer license? Yes. Or, sorry, or, sorry, yeah. an expert yeah. racing license, or, yeah. or better, like Moto America, things of that yeah. sort. Yeah. Okay. And the reality is, when we're going fast out there, you know, we don't want to have anyone who's going to make a sudden move, be abrupt, do something unpredictable, because at speed, it, it doesn't take a, a lot of wrong to, yeah. to, to make bad stuff happen on a track. So I did look at your pictures. I noticed you were up at NYST. And, uh, and I know you, knew, you, you said you did your third or fourth track day now? Third, yeah. Okay, you know what? You're doing great. And so I looked at your picture on the bike. If I don't want to single out anybody. It's not my intent in doing this. Mm -hmm. But I looked at your pictures, and I looked at how you were riding as an instructor, and especially being an instructor for YCRS, you can't not see these things. You know, sure. they, they jump out at you. So when I see you on your bike, and again, you know, you're, you have a very, you know, uh, a casual stance. But very importantly, if this is the center line of the bike, you're moving your body off the center line into the corner. And the goal of body position, everybody talks, how's my BP, bro? It's not <laughs> about your body position. It's about taking away lean angle. Yeah. So 
when you look at body position, the reason MotoGP racers or whoever, the reason they get off the bikes the way they do is so we can turn this into this. Again, not completely upright, but we're doing yeah. a takeaway lean angle. And to get our, you know, to get, you know, to weight the inside of the motorcycle. So if you look at the track day picture that you posted up, there's a rider right behind you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know who it is, yeah. but uh, again, you don't have an aggressive posture, but nonetheless, you are slightly leaning inside. Absolutely. You're weighting the inside of the bike right. ever so slightly. And look at the rider who's crossed up on the wrong side of the mm-hmm. motorcycle. Yeah, no, I noticed that. Uh, if you have it up in front of you, look at the lean angle. And if you can show it to the viewers, look yeah. at the lean angle that you have compared to the rider behind you. And you're both going the same speed. And lean angle is not infinite. It, the faster you go, I mean, that, that bike has to lean. Exactly. So what we tell riders is when we see things like that, you have nowhere to go. You can't improve on that. Or as Nick would say, great, but we need to do this because the way you're riding, we can't add speed to that. So that rider behind you is on the wrong side of the bike. And I think you can see visibly, look how much more lean angle he has traveling at the same speed you are. He's going to wind up in trouble much faster uh, than you ever will. And those are the, and, and again, little things, whether you're at the school or at our track days, those are the types of things we're looking at. You know, are you hitting your apexes? Oh, you're not? <laughs> then you need to slow down a little bit. It's not how fast you can twist that throttle, you know? And so uh, we look at your riding, where you're braking, how you're navigating the bike, hitting those apexes, how you're using your body, your smoothness, all of that stuff. And, uh, and next thing you know, you know, I remember, you know, years back, I went from the iGroup and got bumped to advanced before I even had my expert race license. And uh, there was a great guy, and I believe a lot of people listening probably knew him, and his name was Dutch. And he was just awesome. I'm sure you know him, Chip. And I think Chip and uh, Dutch are two gods on the Weir Forum, which, you know, sounds kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I remember coming up to him, and, and people always say, you have to go slow to go fast. And I remember getting the bump to A, and uh, Dutch came out and said, Rob, you were flying out there. I said, honestly, I didn't feel like I was going faster. It felt like everyone else was slowing down. He's like, exactly. And, and that's the sensation that you get where you're not trying too hard. Things happen more naturally. Things seem like less work. And when you're doing things right, it seems a little more like poetry versus just, you know, com- complete chaos out there. It's a, it's a ballet, not a rock concert. Yeah, good point. So I'm, I'm actually just, uh, I'll actually pull up that image because I think it's a good point, like for people who are watching. Uh, who are watching and especially video. for newer riders. Um, and these are things that are so easy to fix. You can practice them at home. You can practice it, you know, in a parking lot at slower speeds. Yep. And this way, when you're doing it at speed, it's that, it's that much easier. Right. Well, and th- this is what goes back to that good mentorship, you know, like, uh, like Rob was saying, we have people show up to school all the time and they're, we have to unlearn them of things but they've been practicing this wrong thing for 30 years. They, certainly it's right. Look how good I am at doing it wrong. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. You guys, you guys should be able to see the, uh, the, Oh yeah. The, the, I, I, I just, I just was playing around to crop the top cause you can see the rider's face. So we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, and, we'll, and this we'll keep it to, anonymous, but yeah, and this isn't to single out the rider. We see no, this all the time. This is very normal. But if you were to draw a line up the center of your bike, Chris, right. you would it's see a little bit you know, your body for the most part, uh, it's not an aggressive position. Uh, again, your third track date, 
but at least you're starting to be off the inside of the bike, whereas the rider behind you is actually leaning in the wrong direction. You ride a dirt bike that way, but look at the difference in lean angle between these two machines here. Noticeable. Uh, I'm going to say a good seven degrees, you know, without breaking out my protractor, there's a noticeable difference there. Yeah. Yeah. And what's going to happen is the guy behind you is going to come in, he's going to start decking out hard parts and he's going to come in and go, "Uh, I need to talk to the suspension guy. My suspension's no good. I need to go spend a thousand dollars with the suspension guy. He's going to scrape his toes. He's going to scrape his pegs. He's going to do all of those things. And, and he's, he's going to be real happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to be real happy because he's going to tell his friends. Oh, uh, Chris even yeah. drew a line for us. Yeah, so look at those cool annotation stuff you can do. <laughs> and, and, here's the, and here's the thing. This isn't just about sport bikes. This isn't about riding on a racetrack. You're out on the street, and yeah. there's an oncoming car, and I need to get this bike to turn. Um, get, get off the inside of that bike. Move, moving your head and upper body is way more important than sticking that knee out or hanging your butt off. Yeah. Uh, You can move your butt around on the bike and you're not really going to affect much change on that bike. You move that upper body, bend that inside elbow and come off the, uh, the inside of the bike. You're going to take away lean angle and that machine is going to want to naturally turn. um, You'll be able to tighten up that radius and turn easier and with less effort. And again, if, if you're riding a Harley, you got a bagger, you're scraping pipes on the ground, you know mm-hmm. what? Get off the inside of the bike a little bit. Take away a degree or two of lean angle. Now your pipe's not scraping anymore. You just gave yourself a little bit more margin there. So this isn't a track thing. It's it, This is a motorcycle thing. Yep. Again, riding a motorcycle. A bike, yeah. Yes. I mean, yeah, uh, and, um, yeah, gotcha. You know, somebody like Kyle Wyman, who's who's at the limit on a super bike. The reason why he's doing so much with his body to get as, as little lean angle as possible is because he's running out of lean angle because he's carrying so much speed through the middle of the corner. Right. Um, so he's having to do this uh, out of necessity uh, for the street rider. The necessity is when things go wrong. The necessity, the reason why you need to know these skills is when you're going down that road that you don't know, it's a decreasing uh, uh, radius right-hander. You didn't know it was a decreasing radius right-hander. You're at the limit of lean on your Harley. You're decking out pegs and pipes. You have no more lean, so you can't tighten the radius anymore. You're going to go wide into the F-150 coming the other way, knowing this, having the skill of being able to, well, I can take away lean angle if I lower my head and get off the inside of the bike. Saves your life. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. It doesn't change your lifetime. It saves your life. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, in- interestingly enough, this, this was intermediate class. So just to, you know, Hey, it is, it is what it is. Right. It is. And, and, to, and to us, those are the dangers of people, you know, getting into upper groups too quickly. Things like this will go very wrong, very fast. Sorry, and yep. it's, um, you know, but rather than saying, Hey, you're doing it wrong. Uh, it's, Hey, here, here's what we'd like to see. Sure. And, yeah. um, you know, so it's very different from track days of years ago was, yeah, go faster, move your butt, move your head. And, you know, we're now, you know, we talk about these specific things where we can give a rider homework. All right. The next section out, this is what you need to go work on. Show me. And the best is when they come back and I'll speak for Rob Jr. I mean, and I think maybe all coaches, um, seeing that rider come back and going, Oh my God, I couldn't believe it. I did it. And it felt so much better. And wow. Great. You know, and yeah. uh, 
I remember coaches doing that with me years ago. And uh, it's a good feeling to get it. It's just as good or better to watch someone else get it. Sure. Uh, yeah, I could imagine. And it's, it's a good point because it was, it was only the second track day when I did the Riders Academy that there was a couple, like three specific points that instructors, things that they said to me. It's like, hey, this is what I noticed. Give this a shot. See what you think. And it made a big difference. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I could right away see. You know, and, and right, the problem is you want to just practice one thing at a time and it can be a little overwhelming because there's lots and lots of stuff to do. Um, but it was really interesting that they could just come up and go, look, this is what you're doing and this is what I'd like you to do. And it's like, oh, wow, that was so much easier. So yeah, and it's, Manny, really, it's really a simple sport. Check. It's just really hard to, ma- yes. really hard to yes, master. Yes, that was one of the points that, that Manny had made was it's a very simple sport, but really there's simple. lots of complicated nuance to it if, if you want to do it well, you know. So, but, yes. but I think, but that's what intrigues me about it. You know, I, I don't, you know, I like things that are challenging. I like things that you, there's constant opportunity to improve, so. Yeah. yeah. So Y3S went up to NYST a couple of years ago. Uh, I, I went up there uh, as part of the group and um, it, it was interesting. Um, it was the, I think the, uh, it was the first time the school had actually been there. And Manny also enrolled in what we call our uh, champion certified coach program. It's mm-hmm. uh, it, or three C for short. And basically a lot of the things that Manny, I wasn't in the room, but I'm reasonably certain he was, he was reading from the YCRS playbook mm-hmm. uh, in talking about these things and, you know, how to use body and, you know, and hitting our apexes and, and again, yep. using up the exit of the track. And so one of the riders up at NYST, I haven't seen him in a while. Uh, they affectionately refer to him as Redneck Charlie. I don't know if you met him or not. Not, not yet. I mean, I may have seen him, but I haven't, not by name yet. So. And uh, he's got, a, I guess, a ramen soup lo- logos all over the front of his bike. Oh, no. and, okay. Uh, he's got a plate up, right? So, yeah. so he uh, was a coach uh, for NYST. Many laps on the track up there, and we, you know, part of the lessons that we teach are the different types of corners: entry, exit, you know, or a balanced corner. Mm-hmm. And really, it's you know, exit corner. We want to maximize our exit. You know, an entry corner, which tend to be fewer on a track. Um, you know, we need to make you know, the, mo- the most of, you know, that entry, you know, maybe we're going to break, you know, a little bit deeper, longer. So Charlie, uh, Redneck Charlie, RNC, we're, we're going around the track and he's turned many, many laps up there. And I think it's turn three. You go up the street, I guess we're going uptown. Right. Yep. Um, so you make your first left off the street, sharp left. And as you're coming around, there's the sort of 180 right-hander. I think that's turn three. If I remember NYST correctly. And so what we do, uh, we teach in a 180, you need to double apex uh, that you should double apex uh, that corner. So I think a lot of the riders were kind of holding the inside rail there. And there's also a bump there. Um, So we sort of, you know, demonstrated, you know, the types of corners, how we want to attack them. Um, you know, to really optimize, you know, uh, the in, the out. And I, I think that uh, Nick wrote an article this week. He even talks about Josh Hayes, one of the fastest guys in uh, AMA Motor America at the time on Superbike, had one of the slowest uh, corner speeds out of all the riders, yet he was faster. So how can that be? Everyone talks about corner speed, corner speed, corner speed. Mm-hmm. And it's really getting to the slowest point of the corner and getting away from it as fast as you can. So if you look at turn three, uh, imagine just hugging the inside rail, 
Whereas to double apex it, if you can imagine a dot where the number three is on the left side of that 180 there, imagine a dot about mid-track, right? Maybe a little bit to the left of the pointer of your cursor. So imagine a point about out there. So now what we want to do is we want to come in from turn two and we're on the charge. And if you can imagine us now on the brakes to that point on your cursor, slowing the bike, turning the bike, getting the bike turned, and now driving towards the outer edge of four. Mm-hmm. Um, so now you've, you've turned the bike more quickly, and you're getting to and from away that point on the track more quickly. Case in point, uh, Redneck Charlie, he gets on the bike, maybe done a 1,000 laps on this track. He came in, and he beat his personal best time by three whole seconds. And he said it felt like less work. So this was an actual coach who had, you know, put in a lot of time and a lot of laps on this track. Uh, um, You know, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, RNC, but uh, this is how I remember it. And he said it felt like less effort. He went three seconds faster than his personal best, and it felt like less work. Mm -hmm. And this is why we teach things the way we do. Right. Gotcha, gotcha, and and why it's important to not think you know everything necessarily because there there may be opportunities for improvement, right? Yep, and even Nick will tell you why CRS. This is not the why CRS says do it this way. N two says do it this way. Right. It's really more about what are the fastest races in the world doing? How are they doing? How are they going as fast as they can without falling down? How are they doing that? And a lot of it is just you know well, why are they dangling that leg? You know, why are they hanging off the inside of their bikes? Why are they up on the the rumble strips, you know, driving to the outside edge of the track? And they're doing all these things, again, trying to turn this into this. And, you know, everything that's done at YCRS and things we teach it into, it's, it's really nothing complicated. It's not rocket science. It's not voodoo. It's really, really simple stuff, which I think at first people are like, no, really, it can't be that simple. And then they start doing it, and the, typically the response in almost all but a few cases is, wow, it really is that simple. And uh, it, it's great to see people walk away making big leaps and strides in very short order. Yeah. Um, now, a lot of people look at a school and say, well, I don't have a couple thousand dollars to spend. Um, but they have no problem buying that carbon fiber or that custom exhaust or blah, yeah. blah, blah. Yeah. But you know what? That stuff isn't helping you go faster. Right. The best money you can spend on your motorcycle is your suspension. And before you even buy new suspension, the best thing you can do is go to a, a tuner or somebody who knows suspension well. Spend 25, 30, 40 bucks, whatever it is, and get your bike set up. Yeah. You know, as bikes come out of the showroom, they're set up like a chopper, meaning, you know, the, the, the front end is a little high. It, it needs to be it needs to be set up right. You know, sure. it needs to be in a proper, you know, riding posture, if you will. And the, you know, the, you know, we don't have to talk about rake and everything else, but, you know, uh, do you want the bike to run wide every time you put on the gas or do you actually want it to turn properly as you're on the brakes and a little setup can go a long, long way. Yeah. 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 No, good, good points. Good points. So, uh, Rob, I guess, uh, David, on a Bober, Bobber must be a fan of yours. Oh, Mr. Bober. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mr. So he, he, he says you have a great body and you're handsome. So <laughs> I, I just wanted to make sure that I passed that along. 
<laughs> well, he did fall down and hit his head a couple of weeks ago. Or okay. uh, I, I won't hold it against him. All right. And uh, Dan Stubb says it's all about track manners. So that makes sense. <laughs> Mr. Stubbs. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess, so, so are both of you trained as Yamaha champions instructors? Uh, yes, I'm one of the senior instructors at the school. Okay, cool. Cool, cool. How, how often do, do you get a chance to, to teach with, uh, with, with the, everything else going on? Because between the team and N2 and whatever, I'm, I'm sure it keeps you pretty busy. No, I, I actually, I, I would ride almost every weekend or every other weekend. Um, and when riding season is over for us in the, in, on the East Coast, I mean, I live in New Jersey and in the Northeast, um, we go out to the uh, Indy Motorsports Ranch. Uh, we do October, November, uh, I'm sorry, uh, October, November, December, skip January. Uh, and Indy Motorsports Ranch is out in the middle of the desert in Arizona. It's wonderful. It's outside of Tucson. So while everyone else is shoveling snow, we're riding around in 70, 75 degrees, and it's wonderful. And then we do February, March, April, May. Uh, so to answer your question, normally uh, I'm at just about every school. I haven't been in the past year. I got a little broken uh, over the past uh, couple of years, but uh, I'm on the mend, doing much better, and uh, I'll be back at most of the schools now. Oh, good. Cool. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, we, we have a school um, track day Saturday, Sunday, school Monday, Tuesday, completely sold out, NC Bike, what school is. Track day's almost is. Uh, uh, Roger Hayden coming out to, to, to ride with us. We've got a good group of coaches, and then cool. – the, the following weekend or Monday, Tuesday, we're at pit race for another almost sold out school. I got two more champ school spots and two more champ grad spots uh, that are available um, for the pit race school right before Moto America. And uh, it's going to be a busy two weekends. Yeah. Next, next Monday, Tuesday, it's going to be hot. <laughs> yes, yes. It's going to be a little warm. And for anyone listening, I mean, uh, the, the track day events and, uh, and the school, um, you know, everything we do, uh, again, we're trying to be as responsible as possible. Uh, all signups use electronic waivers now. Uh, we use contactless um, uh, tech and registration. Uh, no one's touching anybody. All of our staff will be in masks and uh, social distancing. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're keeping the numbers down. Um, the, some of the states, you know, state, we can go up to 250 people. You know, I think that's a lot. Uh, but again, we're, you know, trying to be responsible, you know, do the right thing. And, uh, you know, even keeping the students uh, distance inside the classroom, um, riders meetings, things of that sort. So, so far, so good. It's been working pretty well for us. I'd say uh, almost everyone has been uh, pretty good. Uh, you get a few outliers, you know, people don't yeah. wear, wear a mask or, you know, there's a bit of that going on in our sure. our nation. But uh, for the most part, everybody's been pretty good and it's been working pretty well. Good. Sure. Cool. Yeah, and, and we'll, you know, we'll split it, uh, split everybody in for the classroom. We'll split everybody into two groups and try to keep as little people as possible. And, uh, you know, typically what it does is it, it just takes a reminder after like mid morning. Everybody's really good, like right at the beginning of the day. And then, and then you know you get after like the first and, yeah yeah if every like, first stop licking each other stop yeah, it <laughs> stop stop mouth kissing God you don't even know that guy I hate it when you but, guys do that <laughs> yeah 
that's really funny. So when um so when you guys do the track days, so N two track days, is it often in combination, like kind of the, the, the same couple days that there's a Yamaha Champions Riding School and and N two track days or kind of uh, not always varies. We do try to make that happen. And for a number of reasons, there are riders who just want to practice for the weekend before they go to the school. Um, a number of the N2 coaches also coach for YCRS. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, we have about 90 coaches that volunteer for N2. I'd say probably half of them over the years have been to YCRS at least once. And so it's just nice where everybody's in the same place you know, for the, the extended weekend sure. and with COVID, a lot of people are still aren't working. So they're very happy to, you know, coach, ride all weekend, whatever they want to do, and then attend the school Monday, Tuesday. Just another quick break to announce the new affiliates program. If you go to the affiliates page on my website, you will see the companies that I've partnered with to bring you some of the motorcycle gear and services that I use myself. Not only will you benefit from their products and services, but if you make a purchase using the links on this page, you'll also be helping to support the podcast financially. So I'd like to welcome these affiliates. Street Skills LLC, which provides the Corner and Confidence book and online course. If you purchase a course or course and book combination from my website, you'll also be listed as a supporter on my podcast supporters page as a Parallel Twin Club member. If you're already a podcast supporter, a portion of the purchase price will be credited towards your next support level. And I'd also like to welcome Bond Body Armor, which I've been using for a couple of years now. If you go to their website using the affiliate link, you'll get 10% off your entire purchase from their online store using the discount code they provide. And now back to the last part of the show. So maybe um, if, if there's anything else you want to go over about N2, definitely we could do that. But uh, maybe I know one of the things we wanted to talk about was endurance racing. And, uh, yeah, that's what I wanted kind to say. Of, yeah. yeah, okay. So why don't, why don't we jump into that? That's, that's not something I'm very familiar with at all. I mean, you know, I follow, well, road, I follow road racing. Motor America is my big thing. Motor GP, whatever. But um, I, I know well, endurance racing is, 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 a, is a cool thing, so. Well, we're circling around back to that uh, original conversation about, you know, how fast do I need to go to go racing? About yeah. mentors in the sport, about transferring from track days to racing, and endurance answers all three of those questions. And, I, and I'll be honest, uh, a couple of years back, again, part of our starting into and you know being involved in racing and Motor America, and you know, endurance was something that we really wanted to get involved in. And I'll be honest, you know, years back. When I heard people endurance, you know, heard about endurance racing and people, you know, racers endurance racing, uh, I'll, I'll be brutally honest. I didn't get it at first. I mean, I, I'm like, really, just you're going around in circles for four or six hours, and and I didn't realize what it was, and then started doing it, and I was amazed. Uh, it was quite a learning experience for me. I was amazed at the amount of teamwork and prep work and the camaraderie and entire families and circles of friends under that canopy doing everything they can to support that team. And it's way more than just bikes, you know, going around, you know, in laps on a racetrack, it's strategy, it's tire management, it's fuel management, it's, you know, energy management for you, the rider, you know, being able to go out there and do a full one hour stint on a 95 degree day, you know, or more. Well, we just wrapped up an endurance race down at Roebling last week and 
it was it was in the upper 90s and you know uh, whatever the humidity is down there it's probably more than 100 percent. i kid of course but you know so i was uh, i was actually moved by uh what endurance racing was and it was something that a lot of racers have been asking for and wish that somebody would bring it back so we figured like many of other things that we've done hey why not well, let's uh let, let's Let's go ahead and experiment. Let's try it. Let's see how it works. So I called up Evelyn Clark, uh, spoke to her and Sean. Uh, I had never met Evelyn before. I'd been to Weir Races, but I never really spoke to her. I just showed up. I raced. I did my thing. And I was just a voice on a phone to her. And, you know, r- racing, road racing has taken a you know a bit of a hit. You know, I know CCS, you know, was doing okay in the, uh, in the Northeast. Weir was doing better in the Southeast. And, you know, uh, none of these orgs were in the, or had any uh, keen interest on, hey, let's go start another program or bring something back when we're trying to, you know, keep our heads above water and, you know, keep things going, doing what we're doing. So my pitch to Evelyn, again, never met her. I was just a voice over the phone. I said, Evelyn, let us worry about that. Um, We will promote the day. Uh, We will be responsible for the day. You guys run the show. You guys have done endurance for a very long time. There's a lot of nuance in endurance racing and scorekeeping and rules. And, you know, so Sean slash Mongo, for example, sitting up in the tower and one of the teams that he knows well, and again, everybody knows each other, and they didn't have their transponder on. He sat there taking mental note of, yep, these guys did 16 laps. They came in, they put on their transponder. He credited those guys 16 laps in real time. Everyone kept racing. And, and, that's, and that's the experience. You know, someone who, you know, is just, you know, getting their feet wet and learning this, you know, they, they bring that experience to the table. So um, I'll take one uh, small step uh, aside. I spoke with Eson over at Motor America one day, and we were talking about how do we get more fans out to racing? And this was like uh, Motor America's first or second year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Eson and the marketing folks there, they picture kids and people walking dogs and eating hot dogs and balloons and, you know, and just making racing all, all it can be. And we talked about what would it be like if we could actually mix events where there was something for everybody. You know, maybe there was a track day front loading the weekend and then there was sprint racing and then Moto America nationals and, you know, things of that sort. And that's kind of the playbook that we went back to with Weira. So it's track day on Friday. It's endurance racing on Saturday, uh, both the four hour and the two hour. And then it's uh, Weira nationals on Sunday. So we said, Hey, let's go try this experiment. Let's see how it works. Our first race was at pit race uh, three and a half years ago. And I had goosebumps on my arm. Uh, Evelyn was, she was in disbelief. The paddock, was jammed. There was no more room to put anybody. Uh, we had 46 teams out on the grid. And so this little experiment, you know, people came out of the woodwork. Uh, you know, uh, Mr. Ulrich uh, called me up afterwards saying, wow, amazing job. We had other people who were around endurance for a long time. They were like, how did you guys pull this off? And we're kind of going like this. And hey, hey, we just, you know, we wanted to bring you know, uh, a, a new, a new format. We wanted to bring purse money back to racing, whether we made money or not, we promised that we're, we're going to pay out a purse. And you know what? 
you bring a purse, you bring a good, safe, structured program, racers want to come out and race. And, and the formula really is that simple. So we're three plus years in. We're going to keep at it. Uh, we have some bigger news uh, for next year that we're going to announce. Uh, we have every intention of going big, big for 2021. And we'll have some big announcements for endurance racing uh, at the Barber GNF with Weira. And uh, other than that, uh, Chip has some really uh, big ideas on uh, bringing endurance to the next level. And uh, so that's my monologue of how it started. And uh, I'll turn it over to the Chippy. Yeah, cool, cool. But but before you go, Chip, I just want to mention, so John Kremenick says, woo endurance, what's FTW? Is that, for is the win. Of, ah, okay, for the, gotcha, gotcha, nice, okay, cool. He's, he's affectionately known as Jiggy. Okay, gotcha. Getting Jiggy. Uh, I love I love endurance racing for for the you know the 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 mention the mission of, of of all the stuff that Rob has going on is basically to grow the sport of motorcycling right you know into track days schools Moto America racing into fits right there in the middle of it the best part about into or endurance racing is that you know go back to that mentor idea you don't have to go racing on your own you go find three buddies that you're doing track days with. You go, hey, look, we're going to use your bike. We're all going to pitch in. We're all going to uh, pitch in on the tires. We're all going to pitch in on the gas. We're going to run a four-hour endurance race. We're going to go, you ride. You start first. You ride until the, the fuel light comes on. Come in. The two of the other guys change the, tire, the, the rear tire. The other guy gets on and goes until the fuel light goes on, comes on and comes in. And you get to go racing, like for real racing. Yeah. And you do it together. You do it with your buddies. You share cost. You know, you hopefully you got one guy in the group who's got some experience and knows what he's doing. You know, if not, you learn on your own. Right. But it's not, it's not this big jump off a cliff to go racing by yourself. And that's the magic of endurance racing. And sure, you can go endurance racing for a few seasons and then go do sprint racing or go pro racing or or go on. But what a great platform! And 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 you get so much track time. You can go sprint racing. Do 15, two 15 minute practices in the morning, run two sprints that are 12 or 15 minutes a piece. You got a total of an hour of riding time for a whole sprint weekend. Right. And you go ride for four hours doing turns. <laughs> you smoked. Yeah, good point. Good point. Which, yeah. which, by the way, Steve Wilson put in a plug for four dudes on a twin. <laughs> yeah, so. right. <laughs> He's earned um, it. Yeah, no, and, and we do. We actually run. We actually run two endurance races on the weekend. We run a, a four hour on on Saturday. It's the, the main event. But we also run a two hour ultralight endurance for uh, Ninja four hundreds, R threes, KTM three nineties, all the little bikes. And what an amazingly cool way to go endurance racing! It's cheap. They don't burn mm-hmm. up tires. They're sure. you know you can learn to race on something that it's like you know very forgiving. Uh, uh, Heather won the first race at, at Roebling uh, doing the two-hour by herself. Mm-hmm. Wow. Nice. Now nice, that's nice. endurance. Yes. <laughs> yes. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, pe- people, that, people that don't uh, ride on the track very often think, well, you know, so she rode for two hours. I ride on the street for two hours all the time. Yeah. Go I, do no, a two- no, go, yeah, I can tell you it ain't, it's not the same. Yeah. Go, go, do 20, <laughs> go do one 20-minute session at, at speed. And it, it, yes. it's very physical and for yes. her to go out and do uh two hours straight at summit point and win the race was 
thoroughly impressive. Endurance racing has even helped me uh, go faster in racing, you know, believe it or not. Um, I'm an older guy, but I I still have the red mist and, uh, you know, I I have a little bit of rage at times and, uh, but there are times I'm in a race and I'm trying to twist the throttle past the stop and all that is just wasted energy. You're just, you know, you're, you're not going to make it through a race like, and endurance racing just kind of makes you, you know, Slow, slow everything take it, take and then, it down a notch. And, but then what you find is you're more relaxed you can you know you're you can go for much longer and you know you're going about the same speed you know maybe you're a half second off your personal best lap time or right. whatever it is and you realize all that you know that aggression you know going into your riding it's robbing you of energy and yeah. so that alone uh, made me uh, a much better racer. That's interesting. So a little, sure. a little, a little slower up here, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Well, you got to do, do it for a lot longer. Uh, Jake Lewis, Moto America star, uh, rode for me in 2011 on an R6. I was working at KWS Motorsports, and uh, him and Garrett Gerloff were going back and forth uh, racing 600s back then, and we are, and uh, they ran like a. 10 6 almost identical lap times at Roebling. The lap record on a thousand is like a 10 5. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. phenomenally quick. And so, uh, Chris Paris, one of the instructors at YCRS, couldn't go to the Roebling round last weekend. So, Jake Lewis came in and rode in Chris's pr- place on the Army of Darkness bike. They ended up winning the overall. Uh, but their, their fastest lap time was a 15. Their race pace was a was a was a one fifteen five seconds off what Jake could potentially do on a six hundred, um, but if you ask Jake, if we, if we called him right now and said, "Hey, was those uh is that four hours doing fifteens? Was that as hard work as doing tens on a six hundred for for twelve laps?" Yes, 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 it is. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> so, um, so for people who are interested in endurance racing, e- either to spectate or even to get involved. What, what's, what's the website or what's the place for them to go? Oh, uh, you go to yeah, uh, n2tv.org. Um, you can sign up for a track day and part of the same system allows you to sign up for races as well. Okay, cool. Uh, we, we do prefer that people have a race license. So they've at least, they understand the flags and procedures and things of that sort. Uh, you know, in any racing, you know, the, uh, the grid can maybe, you know, the number boards, when to go out and grid up and, you know, that can be a little confusing, but again, a little mentorship, a little orientation goes a long way. So you can go to n2td.org, sign up for track days. You can sign up for a race school. Uh, you can sign up for an endurance event. We host race schools integrated into our track days. Uh, we also have an advanced training program where if you want one-on-one, two-on-one, three-on-one coaching by a YCRS trained instructor, uh, typically an instructor who also instructs at YCRS, uh, we do things like that as well that adds on to the day. So to get started in racing, come to a track day, you know, take a look at our calendar. We typically front load the year. We're typically not doing race schools in September. Yeah, race season's <laughs> almost over. Yeah, that that's short. Right. But you'll, you'll get a one-off. But even this weekend at NC Bike, here we are mid-season. I know it's been delayed a bit, but I think I, uh, we have six or seven riders in the racer school. And what, what's uh, neat about the racer school I like is, you know, whether you've raced, no matter what you've done, no matter where you are, when that mock race comes up, everyone comes out to the wall. 
because and I see Chip smiling there because it, yeah. it brings you back to that first time you gridded up. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's like a rite of passage. And, you know, there are times that, you know, at the Weir or CCS race schools, you, you have many, just as many people, if not more, on that wall watching that mock race because th- th- this is this is their first grid start. This is the first time the flag is going to drop for those people out there. Yeah. And you can say it's a mock race. You can say whatever you want. I guarantee you, everybody on that grid, their heart is in there. Feeling throat. it, yep. Uh, yeah. there, there is no mock in those emotions right there. <laughs> right, 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 right. So you want to get started, come to a track day, uh, come to a race school, you know, or come to one of our endurance events. I mean, you can literally do it all right in one weekend. Come to sure. the track day, the racer school, grid up, do the endurance out of the four or two hour the next day, go sprint racing on Sunday as a provisional novice. You can literally do it all right in one weekend. Also into, into track days on Facebook and into track days on uh, Instagram. Instagram. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'll make sure the, uh, the links, tons of good information, show notes for the podcast. Okay, good, cool. That's how the world communicates these days, right? Yeah, absolutely. I don't know what I'd do without Facebook and Instagram. (laughs) Um, so a question from Brian Friedman. So he says he's interested in coming to the track, but also big on learning as much as he can. He says, I know some track orgs have coaches and stuff. Can you talk about ways a new rider can be a good student and maximize their time with coaches? Maximize their time with coaches. I mean, really, and, and I don't mean to sound corny, but it's really coming with an open mind. Uh, there are riders. I mean, we will help you. Uh, the people in the paddock will help you. I mean, come to the track, bring food, bring a canopy, hydrate, bring water. Don't go out drinking the night before. I mean, I don't have to get into that stuff. But people who come uh, wide-eyed and just eager to learn, they are the easiest people I find to teach and wind up absorbing the most. Yeah. You know, versus let's say someone comes and, well, I've been doing it this way for 30 years. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and again, Chip's giggling over there. And, you know, it, it's really more of a mindset thing. Uh, we have coaches dedicated to bringing new riders and their very first laps. You will have a coach, you know, bringing you onto the tracks. As a matter of fact, the very first few laps, you know, uh, when you go onto a racetrack, there's pit in and pit out. And again, like, you know, you go to the gym for the first time, you don't know what to expect. You go to a track day the first time. I mean, me, the first track day I went to, I went by myself. I was terrified. I, I, I didn't know what was going to happen. This was back in 2003. And and there it was kind of sink or swim. You know, now you're going to have an instructor who's going to go out, you know, pit on, you know, uh, grid up, go out onto the racetrack wearing a bright orange shirt. You're going to follow them. And then they're even going to pit in. When we pit in, meaning when we're on the track, and it's time to come back in, we're going to get over to the right side of the track, assuming we're exiting on the right. Right. Uh, It's going to be hand up or foot out, signaling to the other riders that we're getting off the track. And so your very first lap, you're pitting out and then pitting back in. We'll do that on the very first lap. And the instructor will look you in the eye and say, how are we doing? And typically, even though the person's wearing a helmet, you can see there's a shit-eaten grin from one in one ear to the other and they go back out. And again, it's really the first sessions are just orientation. It's getting that person comfortable uh, going out on the racetrack. You know, everyone's going in the right in the same direction. 
we have a clean track. There are no minivans. There are no people on cell phones. It's, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, it's, it's a completely different environment. Uh, and I don't know if Mr. Friedman was listening earlier, but I stayed. it's the best, you know, time you'll ever have, uh, <laughs> with your clothes on. Um, <laughs> And a lot of the things that we talk about at YCRS, uh, we will be in a classroom. You will be in a classroom uh, with instructors explaining all of these things. Uh, You'll sit through a riders meeting. Uh, After the riders meeting is over, novice riders then go into the classroom for further instruction. Um, You know, things to do, things you do, things not to do, um, and the things we look for. You know, and some of the very basics, not any of this crazy stuff. It's this is how we use our bodies. This is how we go to the brakes. This is how we roll on to the throttle. Nothing is an on-off switch. These are the types of things we're going to be talking about. And it's really going to be about making that rider comfortable. And when they're comfortable, the mind's open, mm-hmm. they can breathe, they don't have a death grip on the bars, and, and the learning begins and, uh, and just keeps going. Yeah, that was uh, so one of the things, you know, when I did the first track day, one of the things I had decided and honestly, I can't remember if I picked it up someplace or it just seemed like a good idea. But I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go and listen. Like, Mm -hmm. yes, I've read stuff and I've written and I have my opinions and my ideas, but let me just go and see what they have to say Mm -hmm. and and, and just and go from there. And and I I think that works very, very well. Some stuff, some some stuff I knew, some stuff I didn't, you know, so, yeah. The, the one thing you felt right at home. Yeah, yeah. The the one thing I would add to what Rob was saying, you know, the the obvious: show up to learn, show up ready to, you know, be a sponge to to, to absorb student, whatever. The be a student, correct? Uh, but the the one thing that I, I think people miss too is, and we've kind of mentioned it before, is slow down. Uh, you know, don't go out there with that coach and go ride at your limit. You can't learn at your limit. You're you're surviving at right. your limit. Right. Slow down figure out what the coach is trying to, to teach you. And then once you start doing that right, add speed to that correct technique. And then like what Rob was saying earlier, the sensation is always the same thing. It, it, it felt so slow. I was so comfortable. Right. Because you were doing it right. When you're doing it right, all of a sudden it, becomes easy. It becomes fast. It's easy to add. And then once you're doing it right, add speed to that. So that would be the other thing that I would add to to Brian's comment and to Mm -hmm. to Rob's comment is, uh, is it's take a step back and it may be just, you know, 5%, but take a step back and, and slow down and learn master what the coach is trying to teach you. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I'll add is, um, hands down, the rate at which you learn in even just a few track days compared to years riding on the street, what you learn in your first track days, well, you will absolutely take back to the street. Mm-hmm. You will go to the brakes differently. You will roll on the throttle differently. You will have such a greater command of steering that motorcycle through a corner, especially a corner you've never been to before. Right. Um, a lot of the instructors, uh, you know, our coaches or YCRS coaches will show up in canyons in California that we've never been to. And people are like, Oh my God, how, how many laps, how many times you've been here? I'm like, Oh no, it's uh, our first time. We're just, we're using our eyes. We're, you know, you know, we will talk about things that we can't, you know, use throttle until we can see our exit and take a wheeling angle. 
you know, we need to do certain things rather than just, you know, you hear, you know, there, there are some things that we will pick on. You know, we don't talk about, well, these other guys teach it wrong and we teach it right. But there are some things that are categorically wrong, mm-hmm. such as use the throttle to make the motorcycle turn. Those words should come out of no one's mouth ever, you know. And so we see a lot of this stuff being taught on the street and it's killing people. It's hurting people. Yeah. Um, you know, you're in a corner and you apply throttle. The only place you're going is to that grill on the oncoming car. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, going back to the newer rider, you know, what's being taught, all of this. And again, whether you're on a bagger or you're on an upright yeah. bike, right. you know, an adventure bike or a sport bike, especially all of this and what you learn at the track absolutely translates to the street and makes you a better rider. Yeah. Yeah. So Brian said, thank you guys. I no, guess that was, that was helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so b- before we wind it down for the night, anything else you guys wanted to touch on? Anything we didn't talk about? Uh, what else do we have here? Went through endurance. Uh, as uh, viewers may know, uh, we're gearing up for Daytona with uh, Kyle Wyman again. Ah, yes. yes. It was a uh, it was a nice uh, win last year. And uh, again, you want to talk about we started into and you know looking back and you know the the things that were running through my head, running to the podium with Kyle's parents and the N two team. Um, that, that's a moment that will be vivid in, in my mind and, and until, uh, I'm ready to go to the grave. And, uh, so we're hoping to go back in October. Uh, the bike's ready, uh, awesome. nice freshy motor. Uh, we know Kyle's ready. Um, he wasn't so ready in the uh, last one. So it was, yeah. you know, it was a little serendipitous that, uh, you know, getting Peroni, you know, went and yeah. shut us down, but we're, yeah. we're ready to go back in October. We're looking forward to it. Cool. Yeah, I I was bummed. I was I was already Gina and my girlfriend and I were were you know actually we ended up going down to Daytona and it was like right the whole thing the virus is starting and this and that and it was like the couple of days leaving up we were leaving Friday it was like well you know maybe they just will run you know Daytona 200 without spectators and then I guess it was Friday actually yeah it was Friday it was after practice right that the they had a, a meeting with the drivers it's like sorry everybody we're 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 done we're canceling the event. And, uh, you know, I think our flight was in two hours and it was like, you know what, let, let's just go like, okay, we can't see the rice. That's fine. But, you know, Daytona bike week was going on. We never had a chance to see that. So anyway, it was kind of cool. I got to see Daytona international speedway. I'd never seen it before. Uh, got a, got a, got a feel for it and you know, what's coming up in October and, uh, anyway, so yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to come down in October. That'd be really awesome. I'd love, I'd love to, I've never seen the race live, so that'd be really cool. All right. We'll, uh, we'll get you an into uh pit pass. Awesome. Awesome. Come and join yeah. us. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be great. That'd be great. And uh, no, I had Kyle on the, the podcast. He was one of my, my early, actually, I think it was one of my first Moto America racers that I, that I interviewed. So that was really cool. And we talked about his Daytona 200 win and whatnot. So that was, that was really cool. Um, and then the other thing, just looking at the notes, hold on. I know I saw something here we should talk about. Oh, the, the Air Fence Fund. I know you mentioned it briefly at the beginning, um, but maybe, maybe we could talk about that a little bit, right? Uh, Road Racing World magazine. Basically, the Aldriches, John Aldrich, I guess, basically had started this some time ago. So maybe if you want to just talk a little bit just about the nature of the program, and, and it sounds like you guys have a, a big commitment to it. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, the, uh, even back in the, you know, this started back in the Nesba days, uh, you know, we felt very strongly about our air fence. Um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, the, the two groups that sort of spun out of Nesba, you have N2, 
and you have uh, the guys over at PRE, um, you know, and I would say even uh, Jeffrey Wheat, uh, Midwest Track Days, uh, they do a chili cook-off. Um, we spend a lot of time uh, hosting annual events, fundraisers. We have many great sponsors who come to the table, uh, whether it's uh, Woodcraft, Yamaha, Armor Bodies, Hang Dry, Pirelli, uh, you know, we have a lot of great sponsors at N2, Dane Easy. And, uh, you know, typically it's, uh, you know, we make it a very fun event. It's typically, uh, you know, an evening of, you know, laughter and barbecuing and, you know, uh, you know, guzzling a few beers. Uh, we have uh, some great auction items and all of the proceeds go towards the Road Racing World Action Fund. And basically uh, the money that is raised 100% of it goes towards the purchase of air fence. Um, and at various tracks, you'll see different orgs. Uh, you'll notice if you go to NC Bike, you'll see air fence there uh, from N2 and PRE. You'll see it at New Jersey. You'll see N2 uh, air fence uh, over at Pit Race. And the air fence, I think I can speak for all groups. Um, you know, we have air fence out at Summit Point uh, as well. And, and again, Road Atlanta, pick one. I mean, r- really all over. Primarily the East Coast. Uh, um, uh, there may be other orgs that do it on the West Coast. Uh, I'm not intimate with their work. But the air fence is there for any organization to use. It's for the safety of the riders. Uh, there's no charge to use it. Uh, we'll even have coaches or staff from the various groups come out and show other uh, other people, you know, how to set up and properly uh, take down the air fence. Mm-hmm. Some are inflatable, some are what we call dog boxes, which are basically eight foot by four foot by four foot cube that basically collapse on impact. And anywhere where there's a hard surface on, let's say, a corner exit or someplace that may be sketchy, you know, we'll place these strategically around the track. Uh, just ask Kyle uh, what, you know, the air <laughs> fence had, you know, done for him, has done for him. Sure. Yep. You know, down at Barber, I mean, th- that had to be, you know, he was probably still going 70 miles an hour as a line drive when he made, you know, impact with that bag. Um, it's pretty safe to say if that bag wasn't there, uh, I doubt Kyle would be here. Mm-hmm. 100%. And, uh, many instances yeah. where uh, these bags have saved lives. Um, and again, I really don't want to admonish anyone, but, you know, there are orgs out there who won't use airbags and you know what, uh, it's there. If you're at a racetrack and the air fence is there, use the damn stuff. And, um, you know, so we'll keep doing our part. We'll keep doing fundraisers every year. Um, you know, hey, this is a dangerous sport. You know, uh, yeah, there are no guarantees. You know, uh, this is why, you know, we, we need people to, to use their noggins, to have proper gear, you know, to do the right thing when they're out there. You know, this isn't willy-nilly assistant we, we don't care how fast you can how hard you can twist the throttle can you ride a damn motorcycle mm-hmm. um you know so that air fence is just an extra safety net you know to help raise raise that raise that you know create a, a little more margin uh, and a little more of a safety net out there for the riders and uh, and that's why we do it and so far we're going to keep doing it 
Yeah, no, that, that's awesome. I know uh, Carruthers and Bice, a bunch of episodes ago on Motor America Off Track, had interviewed John Ulrich. And it was a really, for anyone who's, who's interested, listen to that episode. It was really good because he went into the whole background of, you know, how it came to be and why they started doing the air fence. And, and actually, some of the pushback at the beginning, you know, like tracks not wanting to set it up, even though it was being provided. It's like, we'll provide it, we'll set it up. And it was like, it's just interesting, like the whole story. And, and, in particular, like it, it just what stands out is the value of persistence and just, you know, if you want to make something happen, just keep pushing and, and work with the right people, obviously. And, you know, you make it happen. So, yep, really so cool. you know, God bless the Ulrich family. Thank yeah. you, John, Chris, Trudy, all, yep. all of you, Natalie, uh, they have done an amazing job. And in many cases, you know, I, I'm sure it's a thankless job, a job at times. So on behalf of me and every rider, whether you've been saved by it or not, yeah. knowing that it's there. Uh, thank you, Ulrich family. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the other thing I really encourage people to do, Motor America fans, race fans, whatever, is go do the two-up ride with Chris Ulrich. Uh, Gene and I did it last, what was it, September, <laughs> at Jersey Motorsports Park. And, you know, I had just seen, you know, it was like I had bought tickets and I saw this option on the, the Motor America tickets website. You know, you could do this ride on the back of a superbike for 500 bucks a person. And I'm like, well, that seems a little expensive, but, that, you know, it's got to be an awesome experience. So I signed the two of us up and then later found out that it was to support the safety fence fund. And then I was like, oh, this is freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I mean, honestly, with even without that, you know, just the experience of, of two laps on the back of a superbike was just was phenomenal so but that's an awesome cause it's like and just it's just good to know that the 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 money is going you know to support that program so definitely anyone who hasn't done it if you want to get a taste of riding on the back of a sport bike (laughs) at uh almost race speeds check it out (laughs) i actually was watching the gopro video the other night you know because they have three gopro gopros mounted on chris's bike and then they give you the video afterwards so it's it's like i actually did that on the back of his bike (laughs) it's cool cool stuff cool stuff all right. Well, thank you very much, gentlemen. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Chip. Oh, you're very welcome. It's been awesome. Thanks, Chris. I know there's a ton more that we could talk about. If you guys are up for doing a part two sometime, let's sure. do it again. Uh, I, I think it'd be I think it'd be really really cool. Uh, we had a bunch of listeners tonight, so thank you to everyone who is listening and watching. Uh, I know I might have missed a couple people's questions. Just uh, the nature of technology. For some reason, on the, on Facebook, like in the browser, I can't see all the comments. So finally, I switched to my phone where. In the app, you can see all the comments. But uh, to anyone, if we didn't get to your question, I apologize. But thank you, everyone, for uh, for watching. And uh, this will also go out as a podcast in a couple of days as soon as I get it out. So, uh, yeah. So if, uh, if you guys want to hang on, I'll shut it down. We could chat a little bit. And uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks Have a great night. Take care now. All right. Good night, everyone. If you'd like to find out more about my podcast or find the earlier podcast episodes, just point your web browser to soyouwantarideamotorcycle.com or find the link in the show notes included with this episode in your podcast app. If you have any questions about the show or the topics discussed, or if you want to send me feedback, you can email me anytime at soyouwantaride at yahoo.com. That address is also in the podcast notes. You can also follow me on Facebook and Instagram, where I share lots of links to other people's motorcycle articles and video content, as well as providing a lot of my own motorcycle-related photos and content. Just search for So You Want to Ride, or find the links on my website, or again in the podcast notes. There are two big ways you can help support the show. One is free, and one is paid. If you'd like to help support the podcast financially, you can donate using PayPal by going to paypal.me slash Christopher Geis, or just click the donate link at the upper right on my website. 
I also now have a podcast supporters page on the website, which lists all of the listeners who are supporting the podcast. Total donations of $5 to $9 will make you a member of the Thupper Club, where I will list your name and any social media links that you want to provide. Donations of $10 and up will make you a member of one of the other clubs, where I'll include your photo and biography, as well as any links you want to provide. Any commercial organization that would like to support the podcast to help promote their products and services can contact me directly for the available options. All donations will be put to very good use to cover operating expenses and to help promote and expand the podcast. Anything you care to donate will be greatly appreciated. The free way to help is just help me spread the word so we can continue to grow my online and listener communities. So please share the link to my podcast and my social media with family, friends, and coworkers. And also, please leave me a rating and some comments on iTunes and any other place where you can leave feedback or mention the show. As always, thank you for listening. And just remember, whatever you do, it's always time to ride. (laughs) 